Good morning. How's everybody doing? Let's give it up for the band and Pastor Bob again. Wasn't that awesome? So cool. So cool. Um, last week, let me tell you, you guys did a great job with like our back and forth thing. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it again. So are you guys ready to have a little exchange with me? All right. You're ready to participate. Um, and so what we're going to do today is that we're going to play a game. All right. Um, I'm going to put some pictures on this center screen. And I want you to tell me what these people do. What is this person into? All right. So you're going to look at the screen and you're going to tell me this guy likes to fly kites. All right. So let's practice that. One, two, three. This guy likes to fly kites. Good job. All right. So give me the first picture, Pedro. What is this guy? What is this guy into? His car, right? Next picture. What are these guys into? If you're really into this band, you could tell by the four guys standing there who this band is. Anybody know? These are Metallica fans. All right. And let me tell you, that's thousands and thousands of people that are yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs. People that have probably spent all day, all right, so that they can stand in front of these guys for two hours and hear them scream and rock out. All right. Next picture. All right. Look at this picture. There's a logo there towards the top. All right, and, and, and there's a, a dude in a tent. All right, what is this person into? All right, this guy's into Apple products. This is like before the launch of like the last iPad. And this dude, the week, a week, the week of, not the day it launched, not the day before, the week of, he pitched his tent. He had a little pullout chair there, and he was just waiting because he wanted to be the first one to get this iPad. And uh, next picture, what is this guy into? himself all right look at that checking himself out look my implants look good all right next picture you think what a good dad but take a good look at this picture what is he doing he's playing video games all right if his wife would see him she'd be very upset right now all right next picture I don't know, man. This guy's one big nerd. We could say that. This is like a Tron fan at like a Tron uh, uh, Comic-Con type festival. And, and the last picture, I believe. What are these people into? Pain, right? <laughs> these guys like pain. Yeah, those are dolphins. Why were you able to tell me something about these people? Why? Because of the things they were doing. You look at them and you're like... This person, to do this stuff that they're doing in these pictures, they got to really be into this, you know? And, and here's the thing, because we take on the personality or we begin to look like the things that we like most in life. We display, we act, we show, we act out the things that we like, the things that we spend most of our time doing. In turn, what happens? We start looking like that. All right. If you see a kid in the mall with pants under his butt with like big baggy clothes, you're like, man, this guy's a big Metallica fan, right? No, you, you wouldn't say that. You'd say, oh, this guy's into hip hop. You know, he's probably whatever, you know, likes to listen to 50 Cent or, or Jay-Z or something like that. He's not listening to Metallica, right? So we look at someone and we're like, man, they look this way. And automatically our mind, we begin to figure things out. This is what they like. I was born in 1978. Some of you are thinking, man, you're old, right? Others of you are thinking, oh, he's not that old. I like you. Uh, 
But um, so that means I grew up in the 80s, and in the 80s, Michael Jackson was humongous, right? He was he was huge. He was like the star. He was like the guy that everybody you know wanted to be like, and until they found out more things about him. But early in the 80s, you know, I was watching Beat It uh, on MTV back when MTV showed video uh, music videos. Some of you had no idea that MTV stands for music television, right? So Thriller, man, I had the Thriller VHS, and I'd watch that over and over and over. So much that, you know, the last time I watched it, it was like, Thriller. You know, because the, the, the tape had, like, stretched out, worn out. You know, and um, it was so bad, like, how much I am bad, you know, how much I like Michael that I told my mom one day, Mom, I want a Michael Jackson jacket. Some of you, what's a Michael Jackson jacket? That is the jacket that I wanted, all right, the zipper jacket. <clears throat> and I tell my mom, like, mom, I want it. She's like, oh, that's expensive. Why do you want that? It's September. You know, I just bought you a bunch of uh, clothes for school. And I'm like, mom, I really want it. I really want it. I kept asking. And she's like, all right, let's go to Westland Mall. And so we went to Westland Mall. We're looking around and trying to get the Michael Jackson zipper jacket or the Weird Owl zipper jacket, right? And, uh, and so finally, we find the place that had one that kind of fit. And she's like, oh, it's kind of big. I'm like, I don't care. I want it. And she's like, but when are you going to wear this? Now you got to wait till like Christmas time to start wearing this. And guess what? The next day to school in September, I went to school with my Michael Jackson zipper jacket. And I, and I, I wore this jacket every single day to school. I didn't care. I just, I liked Michael and I wanted everyone to know that I was cool. You know, I wanted everyone to know that they couldn't mess with me, you know, because in the Beat It video, he's like pushing people around and he's tough. But now that we're older, we look at these videos and we're like, what were we thinking? Right. And um, and then one day I get to school and I'm like moonwalking into class. Right. And um, I see this ruckus in the back of the room and I look and there's this other kid wearing a Michael Jackson jacket. And I walk up to him. I'm like, dude, the Michael Jackson thing, that's my thing. You know, and then one of the kids say, yeah, but, but look at his pants. He's rolling up his pants like Michael. And then another kid says, look, but he's wearing a Michael Jackson glove too. And I'm like, dang, you know, this guy. And so guess what I did when I got home? I'm like, mommy, I need a Michael Jackson glove. And she's like, a glove? We're in Florida. We don't wear gloves in Florida. She's like, that's for girls. And I'm like, no, Michael Jackson wears gloves. And so um, we went back to Westland Mall. And we went to a bunch of stores. Hey, do you guys have Michael Jackson ja- uh, gloves? No. We got Michael, ja- Michael Jackson. Get in, Michael Jackson. And, uh, and then finally, we ended up in the women's section of J.C. Penney's. All right? And we got the closest thing to a Michael Jackson glove. And the next day, I wore that glove. And I wore it for the rest of the year. And as ridiculous as I must have looked, you know, there was a time when I just couldn't take the heat anymore, so it was zipper, so I unzipped the sleeves, and so I was just wearing it like a vest, all right? As crazy as I must have looked, as dumb as I must have looked, as awesome as the, the teacher's lounge conversations must have been, I got this kid that's been wearing a Michael Jackson jacket every day to school, all right? As crazy as that is, so many of us have done the exact same thing. There's stuff that we're into, there's stuff that we like, there's stuff that our lives revol- revolve around. And you know what? We begin to be like that. We begin to only talk about those things. You know, there's guys that are into cars, 
All right, and every time you talk about, oh, come check out my car, you know, and if they can't afford the sports car that they like, they got the wallpaper on their computer, you pull out their phone right now, and you look at the wallpaper on their phone, and it's that car that they like, you go on Facebook, and the pictures are up there, when the car shows here, they're taking pictures in front of the car, they got t-shirts of the car, all right, if there's someone that's into a particular band or group, they got t-shirts that say whatever the name of the band is, you know, Justin Bieber, or whatever it may be, they go where Ever they need to go to see this band. People get on planes to see the bands that they like. They wait in lines. They pay hundreds of dollars to see that musical group that they like. And you know what happens? They start dressing like them. They start looking like them. They start brushing their hair like them. You know, like the sale of like baseball caps has like skyrocketed ever since Justin Bieber started wearing those baseball caps, those fitted caps. And now everybody's wearing the fitted caps with the flat bill. And you know who started that tough guy? Bieber. All right? People begin to look like the people that they like, the things that they are attracted to. I was reading something on the internet about what, co- you know, what do college students do? You know, college students always do crazy things when they want to get something, when they want to go somewhere. And I found this crazy story, all right, of this college student that wanted two tickets to a football game. And you couldn't buy the tickets. There was no way that you can get these tickets. And you know what this college student did? All right, there was a radio station that had two tickets. He jumped into a giant pile of horse poop. All right, head first. He got on the ladder and he jumped head first into a pile of dog poop just to get two tickets to a football game. All right, and I'm like, what, what school is this? Where is it? It wasn't even like UM or FSU or anything like that, Duke. I mean, it was like some random school in the middle of nowhere in the United States. And that dude just wanted those tickets so bad that he would do whatever he had to do to get it. And so we ask the question, why do people do this? Why is it that my kid now likes this band and now he wants to get piercings and he's dressing weird and he's talking weird and, you know, why is that? And the reason is, is because God made you and he made me to be worshipers, to reflect the things that mean the most to us. That's why we're all so different, because we like different things. And you know what happens? Eventually, we become like that. If you like sports, there's football fans in here. And you know what? In a couple weeks, as soon as football season starts, I'm not going to see some of you. Because you're going to be worshiping at home or tailgating, worshiping in the parking lot of the game. Okay, your wife is calling you, yo, honey, can you help me with the kids? And you're like sitting on the couch, stuffing your face with chicken wings and beer, and you don't hear what's going on around you. There's people that are into video games. And man, when they're in front of that video game, you know, in front of that TV, you know, the world could be falling apart around them. And you know what happens? They have no idea, all right? I know people in my own family, Okay, the people like take like secret like shots of them while they're playing video games and they're like drooling, all like their facial hair is like growing, they're in their underwear and a wife beater, you know what I mean? And they're playing the games, you know? Have you ever seen a kid when he's playing a PSP or a little Game Boy or with his dad's iPhone? I mean, you're like, hello? I mean, sometimes I do it with my kids. I'm like, Joshua, Caleb. And they're like, they're worshiping. People that are into fashion, all right, they're so into fashion, they're like, I can't wear that to church next Sunday. I wore it two weeks ago, 
All right? I need to have these specific shoes, a specific purse, the perfect haircut, because what they're worshiping is fashion. You see, we're all worshipers. There's no way around it. Anywhere that you go in this world, people are going to be worshiping. Parents, that all they think about is their kids, and they're obsessed about their kids. Tomorrow's the first day of school, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, is someone going to like steal my kid? Is he going to fall and break his neck? What's going to happen? Who's going to sit next to him? <laughs> and you love your kids so much, you know what happens? You don't even get to enjoy your children because you're always freaking out. You're always going crazy. You go to the park with your kid, and you're like, you're like watching them go up the stairs. And then you don't even let them slide down the slide. You kind of hold them and slide them. You know, I see this. I have three kids. I go to the park, and I see parents. They, like, carry their kid all the way to the up. They hold their hand. And they don't let the kid enjoy the wee part, all right? You're so obsessed that you don't even enjoy it. Then there's guys and girls. They start dating, all right? And they're praying to God, oh, I want this woman in my life. I want this girl in my life. And and right before you got her, you were serving God. You were focused on God. You were, I'm doing everything right to to get the, the, so the right person can fall in love with me so that I can fall in love with them. And then you finally get that mate. You finally, not mate, but friend, you know, girlfriend, guy friend. And then now your life becomes about them. And everything you do is about them and them and them. And I can and I have to, and I want to be with her. And I'm texting her all day, and I'm calling her all day, and I'm calling him all day. And when I'm online, we're talking. And when I'm at work, we're talking. And when I'm in school, we're talking. And when I'm in the car, I'm talking. And I'm always with them. And I ha- everything I do revolves around them. And you have no idea that in a matter of days or weeks, that person will leave you and your life will fall apart. You know why? Because they fell in love with someone who had dreams. They fell in love with someone who was strong. They fell in love with someone who was smart, who knew what she or he wanted in life. And now you're worshiping them. You're no longer worshiping God. The things that attracted them to you are no longer what you're doing because your focus is now on them. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to be with this person. I want to be with someone who has their own will, who has a perspective on life, who loves God more than he loves me. And when I see you, you know, if I get mad at you, your world's falling apart. If something goes wrong, if I can't see you, oh my goodness, my life is going to end. And they're like, I don't want to be with this person. People that are worshiping their relationships, people that are stuck to their computers, all right? They're on the internet all the time. They're playing these virtual reality games. They don't even bathe, all right? They just have to be in this fake world. And we ask, why does this happen? It's because they're captivated by this fantasy. Because online, you know, they're six foot five, they're dark, tall, handsome, bulging biceps. They're lawyers. They have nice cars, nice houses. They can live a life that's not the real life, and they worship that fantasy. And you know why people act that way? Because God created us to worship. God created us with a natural tendency to be attracted to something, to want something so deeply, so passionately, that we become like them. People have the tendency to act in these ways because that's what we've been created to do. Not because we want to do it. Not because it just happened. You know, oh, I was into this band and now I'm completely obsessed. I'm into this thing and now my life revolves around it. I was into this relationship. I really wanted a girlfriend, a boyfriend, and I'm completely enveloped in this relationship. It's in our DNA. The need to worship. The need to follow. The need to imitate The first fill-in in your outline is worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response 
to what we value the most. As you saw in the pictures, as we went through these things, our world is full of worshipers. People know exactly how to worship. Sometimes, you guys know that I'm one of the worship leaders here, and, and, and I'll have people say, hey, I brought my friend, you know, he, he wasn't really singing because he doesn't know how to worship. Or, you know, I brought my dad or my mom, and, you know, they, they really don't know how to worship. They went to different styles of churches, and you know what? We all know how to worship. The problem is that most of the time, we're exchanging the creator, we're exchanging God for something that he created, exchanging God for something else. I'm going to blow your mind for a second, but no one needs to teach anyone. No one needs to teach you how to worship. When my son Caleb was 16 months old, all right, if you would have showed up to my house, you would have known exactly who he worships. You know who he worshiped? He worshiped Lightning McQueen, all right? He had to watch the movie once or twice a day. He had to watch it, all right? If, 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 if he was going to play with something, it was one of his Lightning McQueen toys. And he had them in all shapes and sizes, the ones he could drive, the ones with remote control, the ones he could push, the ones that fit in his pocket, you know, the stickers, his shirts, his shoes, his socks, his underwear, everything, his pull-ups, his everything was Lightning McQueen. And you know, sometimes I'd be like, man, this kid's a little obsessive. But then I think like, you know what, this kid's a professional worshiper. And when he's a little bit older, all that I need to do is now, man, you're, you're a professional worshiper, and now I need to teach him how to worship God. And now that he's five years old, it's awesome for me to see my son worshiping God. It's awesome for me when I'm driving the car, and he's like, hey, Dad, can you put this song on? You know, can, can you put, giving it on? And he doesn't really know all the words, but he wants to sing, and I tell him these songs are about God. It's so awesome to see now this kid that worship the toy, to worship some type of thing on TV professionally, now is learning how to worship God. We just need to learn who to worship. We need to learn who to value the most. And this is not just a problem that, that we see today. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, no, because today's youth, they're lost. The, the young people from today they're lost, they're, they're consumed by the internet and by technology and by all this stuff, and they're just, you know, worshiping the wrong stuff and materialism. That's not just a problem that, that we're facing today. Throughout the entire Bible, people have been worshiping other things that's not God. In one particular event, it's found in the book of Acts chapter 17. The apostle Paul is in Greece. He's in the city of Athens, and he's walking around, and, and the more he walks and looks around and, and sees the environment that he's, that he's in, the more upset that he gets. And he's looking, and, and he sees all these idols, and he's like, what are these things? These people are professional worshipers. Everywhere they look, they've made a God for every single thing. And, and he starts talking to people about Jesus. And he starts telling people that, you know what, there's a different way um, I actually went to Greece several years ago, and I have a picture of one of the, of the churches, and you see this giant building at the top of the city, all right? These things were everywhere. Here's a picture of, of one of their gods. This uh, service has officially become NC-17, um, and, and there's, this is one of their many gods, and there's museums all over the world with the gods of the people of Athens, of the people of Greece. And Jesus, I mean, Paul's upset, and they're like, you know what, Paul, why don't you come and talk to us more about your God? Because these people, they want to worship. 
They want to know who the God of Paul is, and they bring him. They just don't bring him to, to a back room. They're like, we got to go to the Acropolis. we got to go to the highest point, all right, of our city where all the, the poets and the philosophers are talking about religion, and they're talking about gods, and, and they're worshiping. We want to bring you there so that you can talk to us about your God. All right, we want to debate you on this. And, and they take him to this place that's called Mars Hill. And, and this was like one of my, most fa- my, my favorite parts of, of the trip. And that rock back there, that's where all the philosophers would stand. And, and there's all this marble and stuff. And so their voices would resonate through this entire area. And so that's where Paul stood. And he read, he, read, he said this to them. He said in, in Acts 17, verse 22, he says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. And said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in those elaborate buildings that you've made. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they may grope from him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said. Now he's quoting the poets of the, of the Athenians. And he says, for we are also his offspring. That's what they were teaching them. We're also the offspring of the gods. And he's saying, you know what? You are the offspring of the God of gods. And that's who I'm talking about about to you today. Therefore, since we're all offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these things of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. You stop there, give me your attention. Here Paul tells all the people, you know what? The idols that you have, you made them with your hands. You made them out of gold, out of bronze, out of rocks. Or some other person made them for you. You don't need those things anymore. Stop worshiping that and start worshiping the one true God. And this is a real serious statement that Paul makes at the end. He says, God overlooked it in the past. All right, He let you get away with it in the past, but now he commands us to stop putting other things before him. And so my question to you today is, who are you imitating? Who are you following? Who do you want to be like? What is that one thing that has your undivided attention? That thing that you can't stop thinking about? That the thought of not having it in your possession drives you crazy, drives you insane. I've heard people even say, I'd rather die, I'd rather not live than not have this in my life. Who are you worshiping? How are you worshiping? 
What is your reaction when we're worshiping here in church, when we're singing songs, when the band starts to play? Maybe you saw Pastor Bob leading worship and, and you're thinking, hey, isn't he the guy that usually preach? How long has he been playing guitar? I didn't even know he played guitar. And, and you're lost in this thing. And, and you're not even worshiping God. It's not about Bob. It's not about George. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about who's playing drums or who's playing guitar or who's playing bass. It's about, oh my goodness, I could stand in the presence of God and not fall over dead. That God loves me. And he wants to hear the songs that I'm singing to him today. Are you trying to worship God with everything that you have? Or are you so attached to the things of this world, to that thing that you worship, that you can't even worship God? That thing that's binding you. You know why God wants us to worship him? You know why God created us to worship him? It's because when we direct our worship to something else, you know what happens? It binds us. It breaks us. It doesn't allow us to function. Think about that. Something other than God completely envelops your life, and you're probably thinking, man, that's true. I know someone like that. I know someone that is so obsessed with this one thing that it's, it's oppressing them. It's holding them down. It's binding them down. And they cannot really live for God as much as they try. It's because we were created to worship God. And that thing is making us a slave. You see, Jesus one day was walking through a town. And he got a little thirsty. All right, and he's like, I need to get some water. And he walks over to this well. And when he gets to a well, there's this woman there, and she's drawing water. And Jesus speaks to this woman. Let me tell you something. In those days, for a man to speak to a woman that was not his wife was a big deal. And now for a man to speak to the kind of woman that she was was a huge deal. She was a Samaritan woman. For a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan, regardless, man or woman, this was a humongous deal. And so just by the fact that Jesus approaches this well in Samaria, walks up to this Samaritan woman, this is a breakthrough. This is crazy. And Jesus wants to make a statement. He wanted to make sure that this was talked about forever. And this lady begins to talk to Jesus. And she's like, can I ask you a question? You know, my people say that we need to worship God here and your people say that he needs to be worshipped in the temple, in Jerusalem. And I'm, I'm kind of confused. And, and can you tell me something about that? And here's what Jesus says to her. But the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus is looking at her and he's saying, you know what? Take me out of the box. Take God out of the box. We're not, the time has come. We're not going to be in buildings. You don't have to go to a building anymore to worship me. I want to live inside of you. I'm looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth. The time has come and the time is right now. See, God doesn't care where you worship him. God doesn't care that every Sunday we take over this school, that God knows what happens here during the week and what's going to start to happen here next week. God doesn't care. God wants to live in your heart. God's tired of hanging out in church. You can worship God wherever you are. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth, the way that we talk, the way that we walk, the way that we tell jokes, the way that we surf the internet, 
the way that we switch lanes, all right, when we're in traffic, the way that we talk to our friends, the conversations that we have, all those things must be worshiped to God. You see, the same way that we saw in the beginning that people begin to resemble the things that they like, we need to begin to resemble God. We need to begin to resemble our creator. See, I love the fact that, you know, when we talked about if you see someone, you know, wearing clothes like drop pants and, and laces, unlaced, and a cap and a big baggy shirt, he's walking down the street, you're like, he doesn't like Metallica. This guy's into hip-hop. He's into rap. That is awesome. The fact that we can look at someone and know what they're into is amazing. You see, I want you to think of your life right now as if you were a radio station. All right? And every single moment of your life, you're broadcasting something. There is something that is coming out of your life. Would the world want to tune into your life and hear what's happening? Or is it like one of those stations that we just like fast forward and we kind of skip when we're in our cars? Would the world tune in to your station? Let's take it a, a step further. If God were to tune into your life right now, he's like, hey, you know what? Let me download what's going on in their life. Let me hear what they're thinking about. Let me see what's going on in their life. Let me see what they're into. Let me see the songs that are coming out of them. Does the thought of that bring chills down your spine? The fact that, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, I don't want God to see what's going on in my life. I don't want him to hear the thoughts in my mind. I don't want him to see the things that I'm looking at. I don't want him to, to see the things that I'm doing with my life, the way that I am living Let me tell you something. In Proverbs 15, it says this, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and on the good. God's eyes are everywhere. He knows it. He sees it. He sees the things that obsess us. He sees the things that are getting our attention the most. He sees the things that we are worshiping, our passions, our desires. He sees it. And that's why he sent Jesus to set us free from those things. He he sent us Jesus so that we could identify with him and worship him and worship Christ. And I hope that the reality of this, the reality that God knows you and that God sees your life and he sees the way that you're living. I hope that the reality of that brings one question to your mind and is how can we worship God in spirit and in truth? And it's the next feeling in your outline is you need to, we need to identify our idols. We need to identify our idols. We need to identify the things in our life that are getting the most of our attention. The things in our life that are taking the attention away from God and now grabbing that attention in our life. And you maybe you're saying, but Mark, I don't have any idols. I don't have any idols. I'm a Christian. You know, maybe some of you came from a background where you had like saints and stuff in your house. You became a Christian and you got rid of those things. And and you're saying, hey, you know what? Now I I serve in the children's ministry. Now I'm an usher. Can I ask you a question? If that's true and that's great, what's keeping you from living a fully devoted life to God? Why has it been such a long time that maybe you've invited someone to join you at church? You know? We're having a worship concert here on Friday. All right, we're bringing in a guest band. You know, and we're going to spend all night just worshiping God. It's free. Why weren't you the first person to get tickets 
to go to that concert, to say, you know what, on Friday, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be here. You know, I'm going to get out of work early so that I can get here early, so maybe I can pick up a few friends and come to church and be the first one here to worship God with everything that I have. Oh, but Mark, I can't leave work earlier or something, but what about when you went to see Mark Anthony? When you went to see Lady Gaga, you took the day off, not to go to the concert, to stand in line all day. And yet, we're going to stand and we have an opportunity to worship God for an hour or two hours and stand in the presence of God and say, God, I'm not worthy. I'm so grateful for everything that you've done in my life. I want to give you all the glory, all the worship. And in this time of worship, I invite you to do whatever it takes to be here on Friday. You know, I believe that the modern church is suffering from something very similar to what the children of Israel were suffering in 2 Kings. It's the next verse I want to read to you. It's in your outline. It says, they worship the Lord, but they also serve their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. And I feel that that's, that's what we struggle with. We worship God. We know God but we're still serving the gods, the idols of the nation in which we live, in the world from which we live. There's things in our lives, even though we're Christian, that are getting in the way of our relationship with God. I'll tell you a story. A couple years ago, a lady calls Pastor John and says, hey, Pastor John, I've been coming to the church for a while, and, and uh, you know my background is Santeria, and, and I have all this stuff in my house. Can you come get it? And John comes to me and says, hey, Mark, um, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts, um, and you grew up in Hialeah, and uh, I don't, I'm not really sure what Santeria is, and this lady wants us to pick up some stuff. Can you come pick it up with me? And, and I'm like, sure, let's go. And he's like, so what do we need? I'm like, nah, just, just clean out your trunk. And those of you that don't know John, I mean, John's trunk is like the back of Home Depot, all right? He's got drills and, and every single tool that you're going to need at any random part of your life. Just go to John. If your car breaks down, anyone here today, just say, hey, Pastor John, can you change my radiator? All right? He's got the tools. He may have a radiator back there. And so we take all this stuff out of John's trunk, and we go to this lady's house, and we get there, and I don't see anything. I was thinking, oh, we're going to get there, and there's going to be a little house for San Lazaro in front of her house, and, and little I, nothing. I'm like, what's wrong with this lady? And she takes us to this room, and she's like, this is the room for my saints. I'm like, they have their own room? Yeah. And when I look in, I don't really see any saints. I see some cigars. I thought it was a smoking room. And these pots and all this crazy stuff and stuff with water in it. And there was some things that me and John couldn't even carry by ourselves. And we put it in his trunk, and, and we had to make several trips to take everything out of her house and and then, you know, we prayed with them. It was great. And, and, and John and I told the story of all the stuff she had in her house. And a couple weeks after, she calls the office and says, hey, can you come back? I have one more thing that I was scared to give you. And John calls me. He's like, hey, tomorrow we're going to go back to this lady's house. She has this one thing. It's a real big thing. She said, um, you know, be ready. So I brought a change of clothes. I brought my work gloves. And, uh, and he brought his stuff. We emptied out his car. We flattened the, the chairs in his car just so we could have enough space. We walk into her house, and we're like, okay, where is it? And she gives us this tiny little golden figure. I mean, something you could pick up, like, you know, at a souvenir shop when you're on vacation. 
And she's like, this is it. She gives it to me. And she's like, be careful. Don't, don't drop it. Don't spill it. Because if anything happens to this, they told me that I would die. This tiny, I'm like, that's it? She goes, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, what? That's it? And John and I talking the whole way back and threw it in a canal. And um, I didn't think that was going to be funny. But yeah, we threw the thing in the canal. And then I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of us that if someone looked at your life, they, they wouldn't know that anything was wrong. They wouldn't see any giant idols in your life. They wouldn't see like, oh, yeah, this person has this huge problem. But there's these little gods, these little tiny things in our life that no one sees that we keep super close to us that are getting in the way of our relationship with God. Psalms 31 says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. God says, I hate that. Look at your life right now. What is it? Identify that thing. And then we do the second thing, is that we surrender our idols to God. We come before the Lord and say, God, I can no longer have this in between our relationship. I want to live a life that's fully devoted to you. Here's my idol. Genesis 35, 2 says, get rid of all your idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. Get rid of that stuff. Begin to follow Jesus. Make Jesus the number one thing in your life, and I promise you, you can live without that. If you're in a relationship right now that's completely possessing your life, okay, you're enveloped by this thing, all right, you're dating this person, and you cannot live Without them, I want to encourage you to end that relationship and begin to serve God. And I promise you, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen again. But don't allow anything to get in in the way of your relationship with God. Jesus said, if people want to follow me, they must give up the things that they want. And they must be willing to give up their lives daily. Not just on Sunday once a year. Daily, give up your lives and follow me. The third thing that we need to do is that we need to live a life that worships God. Okay, it's not just Sunday. It's everything that we do is worshiping God. The way that we treat our kids, the way that we act at work, regardless of the situation, we are worshiping God. Romans 12 one says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is is your spiritual act of worship. He's saying, just just throw your whole life into it. It's worth it. It's worth it. The week before Jesus died, he was walking into Jerusalem, and they threw this humongous party for him. Party for him. There was this craziness happening around this, this, this roar. And the citizens, the people there were just worshiping him and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were crowning Jesus king. They were worshiping Jesus with everything that they had. They were breaking the trees and throwing them on the ground so that Jesus would not trample on the donkey that he was riding over the dusty roads. They're saying, these roads aren't worthy of you, Jesus. And the religious people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, shut these people up. That's blasphemy. How can you allow that? 
How can you allow these people to call you their king, to worship you, to crown you, to give you all the glory that you deserve? And Jesus said, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And he, it's in the book of Luke, chapter 19, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So as you walked in today, each of you were given a stone. And I want to ask you a question. When you picked this up, did, did you look at it and say, hey, good morning, how you doing? No. By any chance, did anybody put this in their pocket? Maybe, you know what, I'm just going to put it in my pocket. I want it to fall. A couple of people raising their hand. Did it vibrate by any chance? Did this thing start going? Bzz, bzz? No. No, it, it's a rock. It just lays there. It doesn't do anything. Maybe someone said to you before, you're as dumb as a rock. It just, it doesn't do anything. It's just there. And Jesus didn't say this donkey is going to worship me. He didn't say the trees are going to move and sway. He said the rocks, the thing that doesn't do anything. The stuff that gets in our way, the stuff that gets in your sandal and your shoes and it bothers you. Those rocks will cry out and worship me. I mean, that's amazing. The fact that Jesus said, I can't shut them up because these rocks are going to cry out. And I want to dare you to do something today. And the people next to you are probably going to think you're crazy, but I'm going to ask them to do it too. I want you to look at this rock and say, no way. Say it. No way. You're not going to outsing me. You're not going to outworship me. I'm going to worship Jesus, even though people think I'm crazy because people thought they were crazy when they were doing those things to Jesus on that day. And so I want to give you an opportunity to worship Jesus. Anything else is crazy. Anything else that you devote your life to is a waste of time. It's going to crush you. It's going to break you. It's going to ruin you. Think about it. Think about people that you know that are completely possessed by something, obsessed by something. It's crushing them. It's killing them. And it can happen to us little by little if we begin to stray and allow that little God like this lady had in her house to control her emotions, to think that, man, if I drop this thing, I'm going to die. God wants us to be free. God wants us to live lives that are full of joy and full of happiness. He wants your marriage to be successful. He wants your children to grow up happy and confident and be successful. And they're not going to do that if you're worshiping your job all the time. And all you care about is, man, I need to get a better thing and a nicer thing and more and more and more. And you know what? They're going to grow up and they're going to be miserable because that's what they're going to want to become. But if they see us model a life that worships the one thing they were created to worship, everything begins to change.